Hey everyone, welcome aboard today. Am I speaking to somebody that's never been angry? That's my question. Anybody, anybody out there? You've never been angry, you've never been upset. Well, that's good. We're gonna, we're gonna talk today about what happens when anger strikes. What do you do? You find anger creeping up inside of you. I think we've all had expectations at one time or another. We expect things to bring about a certain result. You know, you work all week, you expect your paycheck to be there at the end of the week. You invest in your retirement. By the time you retire, you want that to be waiting for you, right? Or maybe you make reservations for a vacation, and when you arrive, you want everything to be ready, right? But what if you didn't get that expected result? How would you feel? Could it be described as anger? I remember making reservations for a vacation place years ago. Three-hour flight. Got there. They didn't have a reservation. <laughs> How did I feel? Not too good. Now, here's the thing about anger. This is why we want to learn about it today. And we want to be protected because anger can be very debilitating. Oh yeah, it can. It can freeze the thinking and the emotions. That's what it does. Now, we're in a series about the life of David, and the reason we're teaching this series is because, like I've been saying, his life can parallel our life at times. And we're going to see this is exactly what happened to David. The expectations that he had were not realized and man, did he get angry. Oh, yeah. We're going to see just how angry he really got. He had high expectations because of a job well done. But those expectations were not fulfilled. As a matter of fact, he was insulted as a reward for his efforts. Wow. Imagine thinking you're going to get paid well for something you did and you get a slap in the face instead. That'll take you off, won't it? So, here's a little background to our story. It was customary in those days for wealthy men to hire shepherds to keep their flocks of sheep and goats and what have you. Now, this was the time of year when the sheep were to be sheared. And not only that, the shepherds were paid for their work for watching the sheep. It was also a vulnerable time for them because Robbers would sweep down and steal the flocks. Ain't that a kicker? Just when the sheep are ready to be sheared, thieves would come in, steal the sheep, kill the shepherds, and make off with everything. So because of that, sometimes armed men would be hired to watch over the sheep or the goats and even watch over the shepherds. It was an unwritten law that these men would be compensated for their efforts. Like giving a waiter or a waitress a tip for service at a restaurant. It's not a written law. You don't have to tip them, but you do. 
It's like an unwritten law. So Samuel the prophet had died. David and his men had been faithfully watching the livestock of a guy named Nabal. Okay, so we're going to learn about Nabal today. We find the story in 1 Samuel chapter 25. Okay, and in 1 Samuel 25 verse 2, like I said, Samuel's, David's counsel is gone, he's dead. So in verse 2, there was a man in Maon whose business was in Carmel, and the man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. Whew. And it came about while he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now again, sheep shearing, that's a time of lavish hospitality. Just like in the fall when the farmers bring in their crops. Oh yes, the harvest time. It's a time of celebration. And so it was with sheep shearing. Celebrations were put on and guests were invited. Verse 3. Now, here's an interesting couple. You don't often find couples like this. The man's name was Nabal. His wife's name was Abigail. The woman was intelligent and beautiful in appearance. But the man, he was harsh and evil in his dealings. He was a Calebite. That means he was of the house of Caleb. But many render it to mean snappish as a dog. Okay? The name Nabal, you know what it means? Fool. Abigail means joy. So we've got a fool married to joy. For some reason, joy married the fool. But she was very intelligent and beautiful. And by the way, ladies, anyone can be beautiful. You know why? Beauty begins on the inside. Her joy on the inside made her beautiful on the outside. It's all a matter of the heart. Beautiful heart makes a beautiful countenance. In verse 4, now it's payday. Sheep are going to be sheared. So David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep. And David sends greetings and explains the protection that he gave to the shepherds. Even Nabal's shepherds vouched for David. They even said, yes, his men were there and they watched over us, they protected us, they kept away the bad guys. Now, in verse 10, the voice of arrogance speaks. But Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? And who's the son of Jesse? There are many servants today who are each breaking away from his master. Shall I then take my bread, my water, and my meat that I have sheared for my shearers and give it to men who I don't even know? I don't know you people. I don't know where you're from. I don't know who you are. So you can tell what kind of a man David is by his possessiveness. He called it my bread, my water, my meat, my shearers. Reminds me of the guy Jesus talked about in Luke chapter 12. He told a story. A man's farm was very productive, so much that he he thought, I got so much food, I got to build bigger bonds to hold my grain. And he said, I will tear down my bonds to store my grain and my goods and say to my soul, eat, 
drink, and be merry. Same attitude, isn't it? My, 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 my. And God said to him, You fool, tonight you die. And what was the moral? The moral of that story Jesus told. He who despises his neighbor sins. But happy is he who is gracious to the poor. If that guy had extra, he should have dispersed it to those who were in need. And then Jesus said, So is the man who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. He's a fool too. If you go through life and your favorite person is me, you're in trouble. You're in big trouble. And by the way, no one's going to like you. So if you want to go through life and not be liked, then just let me be your hero. Okay? I don't mean me. Me, I mean you, me. (laughs) So David, he had great patience up until this point in his life. Saul, the king, he's hunting for him. He's got 400 malcontents, which became 600, and they attached themselves to him. But now Nabal, he's really pushing David's buttons. David's David's getting to the point where it's like, you know what? Enough is enough. You ever get to that point? That's it. Enough is enough. So in verse 13, after being slapped in the face for the service that he provided, David said to his men, Okay, men, gird on your swords. Each man girded on his sword. And David girded on his sword. And about 400 men went up behind David, while 200 stayed behind with all of their stuff. 400 men. <laughs> a little overkill, maybe? There's a warning here. When you deal with a fool, don't become a fool. That's good wisdom. When you deal with a fool, don't become like him. Okay? But again, anger is real. But don't let it destroy your self-control. Man, You think that's one of the biggest reasons why people get in trouble today? Not because they get angry, but because they let their anger destroy their self-control. That means when you lose your control, you're not in control anymore. Somebody else is. Oh, and you know what their name is? Anger. Anger is now in control. And anger will do things that always end up in regret. See, rage is difficult to satisfy if not impossible. This is why we can't even give it an opportunity in our life. You can't. Remember when Saul went into the same cave David was in for a private purpose? (laughs) David was in the cave too. And he had an opportunity to get rid of Saul. But he didn't. Well, Abigail comes on the scene, the wife of Nabal. Now, Abigail interestingly enough, has an opportunity to get rid of Nabal. Just like David had an opportunity to get rid of Saul. After all, she's married to a guy. He's ignorant, arrogant, miserable, selfish, cruel, cheap, unappreciative. He's all those things. That's a fool. So you would think, okay, Why not just let the chips fall where they may? It's not that she is doing anything to harm him. She's just not going to do anything 
Period. Let David have his way. But you see, here it is. She's not like her husband. No. Abigail is not like her husband. She is a woman of noble character, even being married to a jerk, I mean a fool. And in verse 18, Abigail hurried. She took 200 loaves of bread and two jugs of wine and five sheep already prepared, ready to eat, and five measures of roasted grain, and a hundred clusters of raisins, and two hundred cakes of figs, and loaded them on donkeys. Man, she's got a caravan coming. And she didn't tell her husband what she was doing. See, she is not an I-told-you-so kind of person. She didn't sit back and let David approach with all of his men and say, Nabal, I told you to help him. Nope. She also knew that hungry men can be mean men. So she took matters into her own noble hands. Abigail possessed three virtuous traits. Number one, she had tact. Number two, she had faith. And number three, she had loyalty. Think of that. She had tact as a person, faith in God, and loyalty to her husband. What? Yeah, but he's a fool. So what? You're still loyal. You took a marriage vow, and you're loyal. Now, let's see these qualities. In verse 24, she has tact. She ran out to David. She fell at his feet and said, On me alone, my Lord, be the blame. She's taking responsibility for her, her, her husband's foolishness. And she said, please, let your maidservant speak to you. Listen to my words. So she's asking David, just stop for a second. Hear me out. Please do not let my Lord pay attention to this worthless man, Nabal. For as his name is, so is he. (laughs) She's not making excuses for him. She's not saying, oh, no, David, he's not really like that. No, he is like that. She said, Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. But I, your maidservant, I did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. See, she's the head of the house, and she didn't know that the messengers came. So she's taking responsibility for the decision that was made in the household that would have been her decision had she been there. And she would have rewarded David and his men. And that's why she's going out with this caravan of food to reward him. Secondly, she has faith in God. She said, please forgive the transgression of your maidservant. I overlooked it, sorry. For the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house. Because my Lord, speaking of David, is fighting the battles of the Lord. And evil will not be found in you all your days. She recognizes that David is a man of God. Maybe she heard that David was anointed the next king of Israel. Maybe she recognized that the scriptures pointed to David to being in the godly line of the Messiah. Like I said, she was an intelligent lady. Oh yeah, intelligence made her beautiful. She was very discerning. Very smart. That's a very attractive quality, 
discernment. A discerning woman is a beautiful woman. And then she possessed loyalty in verse 36. Abigail had stood between her husband and death. She was loyal. She could have got rid of the guy, got the insurance, inherited everything. But no, that wouldn't be right. See, when you know the right thing to do, you have to do it. That's virtuous. So Abigail came to Nabal, and she said, listen, she told him, actually the next day. She came to Nabal, and behold, he was holding a feast in the house. She was probably coming to tell Nabal, hey, listen, you got to take care of these guys. But he was having a big feast. All his friends were invited. It was like the feast of a king, it says. And Nabal's heart was merry within him. Why? Because he was drunk. Because he was drunk, she did not tell him anything that happened. She waited till the morning. And then the next day, she got up and she told Nabal what happened. And you know what happened? I'm going to tell you what happened. God's justice. God's justice happened. In verse 37, In the morning, when the wine had gone out of Nabal, he sobered up. His wife told him these things. David was coming out. 400 men. They were angry. They were going to take you down. And his heart died within him, so that he became like a stone. It's like he fainted. In verse 38, ten days later, the Lord struck Nabal, and he died. God did it. God took Nabal out. God did what Abigail kept David from doing. That would have been sin for him. That would have been bad news for David. See, here's the thing. Here's what I believe. And we're not rejoicing in Nabal's death. This is a story to teach us how to learn to wait on God. That if we do the right thing, we make room for God to do the right thing. But if we do the wrong thing, we shut the door on God. And God won't move. See, God doesn't honor us when we do the wrong thing. Oh, but he does honor us when we do the right thing. And that's why he honored Nabal. I mean, um, Abigail. She was tactful. She was faithful. And she was loyal. And she lived in all of those attributes. And God honored that. And God took Nabal out. God had enough. He had enough with this guy. God blessed him, made him wealthy, gave him everything, and the guy was unappreciative. He was stingy, ungrateful. So God's like, Nabal, you had your chance. You're out. And he was out. So there are three lessons that we can learn from this account. Number one, be wise. Whenever you see a conflict rising, be wise. Do not handle it in the emotions or the energy of the flesh. See, David was going to do that. Thankfully, Abigail came out and turned him around. 
Don't handle conflict in the energy of the flesh. I'll tell you why. You'll be sorry. Oh, yes, you will. Weigh the facts. Don't jump to conclusions and ask God for wisdom. Okay? Number two. Second lesson to learn. Be balanced. Handle each conflict separately and use fresh patience every day. You know, you can get to a point where you let things build up inside of you that are unresolved and then the the final straw that broke the camel's back, you explode. That's why we can't have unresolved issues in our life. We have to resolve them as they come. Don't let them build up. You know, maybe for David, this was the last straw. You know, between Saul and the malcontents and now this guy. That's it. I've had it. Resolve each one as they come up in your life. And then thirdly, a third lesson we can learn. Be honest. Learn to wait. And don't do anything hasty. You know, later on, David wrote a psalm. Maybe he was thinking of this situation. And he said, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. That's Psalm 40. You know, David wrote many beautiful songs based on his own experiences. Now, your situation may not change, but when you wait on God, you will change. I think that's the key. It's not so much about changing the situation. It's about changing us that God ordains many circumstances in our lives to change us so we can learn to be different, less like us, more like Him. You may even discover that while waiting, you learn that it was you who needed to change, not the other person. Hmm. So I think this is the best way to handle anger. Anger's real. Oh, yeah. Circumstances in our life, they're real too. And they can make us be angry. So what do I do? Be wise. Okay? Know that my flesh is going to want to move in and take over. Don't let it take over. Reject it. Stay in the spirit. Try to hear from God. Be balanced. Every conflict in your life, try to resolve it as quickly as possible. Don't let things build up. Oh, when they build up, you're just a volcano waiting to explode. Don't let that happen. And that's when we do things that are very, very regretful. Oh, yeah. They're regretful. And then thirdly, be honest about it. God is working in your life. Let God do the work. You know, every area of our life where it feels like we don't change, it's because we've refused to let God work. We've let the flesh take over and we've pushed out the spirit that wants to work change in our life. 
And that's why, you know, you can be a great servant of God, but you can still have a bad attitude in certain compartments of your life because you're not letting God change you. You're not yielding to the Spirit. Don't ever let your service to God override the fact that God wants to change you because your service to God means nothing if you don't let God work the changes into your heart. Because it's not about what we do. It's about who we are. That's what's important. Who I am is more important to God than what I do. And you know, that's the secret part. What I do is seen by all. Oh, what a hero. No, who I am, that's seen by God. And that's the reality. So let's not forget that. That God is ordaining circumstances in our lives because it's all about Christ-likeness. To become like His Son. That's the goal. So now I ask myself, oh, am I becoming like Christ? Well, I know we all have a long way to go. But look at certain aspects of your life. In some of them, you might be doing well. Yes, I am. In others, we need to be more sensitive to the working of God. Say, yes, God, in these areas, I'm not. And maybe I'm not like Christ in the realm of my anger or the way I handle conflict. Or maybe I hold a grudge and I don't resolve things. I carry them. Those are the places that we have to yield to the Spirit and let God bring the changes in that need to be changed. Because I'll tell you what, that's the most important part of your Christian walk. It really is. It's the most important part. Who you are on the inside is much more important to God than what people see on the outside. I think that's a good message just to remind us. Let's identify the hidden hand of God in our situations, in our day-to-day walk. God is working. God loves us. He wants to bring us to a place where we're just like His Son. Next time we're together, uh uh-oh, we're going to see the danger of falling back. Don't do it. And you'll see why. Want to hear this message again? The Hope Club Podcast. It's there. Just type it in online, the Hope Club Podcast. Go to our website, newhopecc.tv. Scroll down, it's there. It's called When Anger Strikes. And uh, it's also on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, any place podcasts are found. When Anger Strikes. One of these messages, it's good to hear a few times. Because we want to be victorious in our Christian walk, right? I want you to be victorious too. So listen again.